This is the Great Human Chronicle. I'm Anvik. She weighed 30 pounds, 20 less than the limit. She wore a pink dress and sucked on candy while sitting on top of a pile of mail. More mail surrounded her. Maud was three years old. She said goodbye to her grandmother and got onto the UNK at 8.30 in the morning. She smiled at all the people who called her name and waved at her. Curious people that had come to see this little girl sit on top of a mail with candy in one hand and an apple in the other. Maud was going 40 miles south to Jackson, Kentucky to see her sick mother. To be very specific, Maud was being mailed and shipped 40 miles south to Jackson, Kentucky to see her sick mother. There was a letter pinned to her pink dress, along with a shipping tag that had 33 cents worth of stamps stuck on it. On the other side of the tag was a note telling everyone that she had been posted correctly. Maud is a symbol of the past. A symbol of a very, very specific period of the past, the period after 1913, when the US Postal Service announced that they were going to start shipping parcels over four pounds. For the first time, you could now send anyone, anything, anywhere. And when the US Postal Service said anything, the good people of America made sure they meant anything. Everything from live animals to houses were shipped through trains. People sent food, people sent coffins, and some even sent their children. There were at least seven documented cases of children being sent through the US Post. Maud was the last one of these. Though she wasn't the last child to be ever sent through the postal train, we don't know who that was, but we have good reason to believe that there were at least a few more until the 1930s, even after regulation was passed. Now. Before you go all Dickinson on me and complain about the terrible treatment of children, let me clarify. While the children travelled with livestock, they weren't treated like livestock. They were cared for throughout their trip by their postal worker. Back in the 1910s, the postal worker wasn't a nameless corporate employee. They were trusted and known members of their community. Especially in rural America, The postal worker was their gateway to the rest of the country. They were their messengers and their guardians and the sole connection many had outside their small town. It was also, and this is important, way cheaper to send your child through the postal service than a passenger train. Not that that makes it okay, but when you have to send a 3-year-old halfway across the state and you're a retired 70-year-old something living alone, you're going to make every cent count. And if you know of a cheap and safe way to get her across, why wouldn't you give it a shot? And many parents gave it a shot. So many that the US Postal Service and Congress had to pass regulations to not let them shoot their shot. At first, it was just babies. But as the Postal Service increased its weight limit for packages, older and older kids started coming along. Most of these deliveries were usually to towns a couple stations away. 
though there were also longer journeys. There was at least one occasion where a six-year-old girl traveled 720 miles from her mother's home in Pensacola, Florida to her father's in Christianburg, Virginia. What stands out to me the most is that all of these children like Maud were too young to even realize and remember what was happening. As Maud sat on top of that pile of mail, eating candy from her bag, surrounded by letters full of hopes and dreams, boxes full of love and affection, parcels that were sent in jest and mail sent in sorrow. She was too young to remember the wind that blew past her face as she raced along lands that had never truly been as united as the nation's name suggested. As her shipping tag flew in the air and as the train hissed and chewed, she was too young to know that she moved at a speed few men or women until then had ever thought they could. As her eyes saw people wave and smile at her, she was too young to know that they saw a little girl in a mail train. She was too young to know that as her pink dress flew and as the wheels of the train clanked, she wasn't going to see her mother. She was being delivered. Hey, don't click off yet. Don't, 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 don't. Okay, hi. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you liked that. If you did like it, tell a friend about it. If you didn't, tell an enemy. We both win either way. There is more stuff just like this on my Instagram at anvikiguess. That's A-A-N-V-I-K, I guess. It's also on Twitter, but I'm doing this cool new series on Instagram where I write video love letters to things like the space-time continuum, planets, traffic signs, and everything in between. It's a good time. If you like this, you'll probably like that. Oh, also, if you have an Apple account, please rate and review the podcast on the podcast app. It really, really, really helps a lot. And lastly, I hope you're doing well. And we're almost done with the credits. I know, it happens so quickly. So let's get to the final part. This episode of The Great Human Chronicle was written, researched, produced, directed, edited, and performed by Anvik Singh. The music in this episode was by Pa'ar and all artwork is by me. Thank you for your time, your energy, and most importantly, your attention. I'll see you in two weeks.